Thank you so much for being here today. If this is your first time, a special thank you. Remember, mygateway.life or the blue wall outside. We'd love to connect with you, and you're going to hear why this morning. If you were to cut my wrists, and please don't, but if you were to cut my wrists and uh, ask, you know, what, what is it that you bleed, Ed? Well, first of all, I would say that is a very bizarre question. You're scaring me. But secondly, I would say that what I bleed is what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's not the only time I've talked about this, but this may be the most important message for me this year, or at least in a while. For me, this is the heart of it, or very nearly the heart of it. Okay, the heart of it's Jesus, but this is right next to it. We're going to be looking at an epic passage of Scripture today, epic. I'm going to pause in the middle of it and have you stand out of reverence for God's Word. We'll go old school, but right now you don't need to. I've asked Ken Christopher to read this for us this morning. This is from 1 Corinthians 12. It's on mygateway.life. I'd love for you to look along. It's also on the screen. If you have a Bible, please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 27. Ken, if you'd read for us. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the air would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each one of them as he chose. Pause there, Ken. So this is one of the reasons why we say here regularly on Sunday morning, we don't believe you're here by accident, because we don't. God has arranged the parts of the body. He has put them in their place. I'm going to ask Ken to start again at verse 18, and the rest of us, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word. Let's stand. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seems to be the weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, 
you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Father, I thank you so much that this is the call on our life and this is our design. You made us for this. And I pray today that all of us would be moved and stirred and inspired that we would take yet another step in. For some of us, Lord, it's a first step. For others of us, it's step 104. But Jesus, call us in. Not just to go deeper and wider with you, but to go deeper and wider with one another. And today, we hear that call. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going back today. We took a break last week. We're going back today to a series of conversations that have occupied us since the first of the year. We're talking about how to do this, how to have the lives that we long for, how to have the lives for which God designed us. How do we go wider in our impact on others and in our influence and in what we're, we offer others and how to go deeper in our connection to God and in our connection with one another and uh, we started a few weeks ago by saying, first of all, the first thing we need to do is use our resources with wisdom and purpose. And the second thing we talked about was we need to practice creative devotion. We need to have a connection with him. We need to have a, a time where we're daily dialing in to him. And then two weeks ago, we talked about nourishing others out of personal wholeness. And today, we want to talk about the critically important step of investing, investing in community. Community is critically important in our spiritual health. So everything we say today is going to be in support of that. Community is critically important in our spiritual health. Now, when I say community, I don't mean a geographical location like Herndon. I mean the spiritual reality of intimacy and support that's created between us because of the life of Christ in us. We cannot be all that we long to be without investing in community. Community is critically important to our spiritual health. I read something this week that blew my mind. I know this is a sidebar, but I, I want you to hear it. I read an article written by the former Surgeon General, Vice Admiral V.H. Murthy, and he served as Surgeon General in the United States from 2014 to 2017. I want you to hear what he wrote. We live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 1980s. Today, over 40% of adults in America report feeling lonely, and research suggests that the real number may be very much higher. Additionally, the number of people who report having a close confidant in their lives has been declining steadily for the past 30 years. During my tenure as Surgeon General and my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes, it was loneliness. The elderly man who came to our hospital every few weeks seeking relief from chronic pain was also looking for human connection. He was lonely. The middle-aged woman battling advanced HIV who had no one to call and inform that she was sick, she was lonely too. He goes through a whole catalog of these. Loneliness and weak social connections are associated, listen to this, with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity. But we haven't focused nearly as much effort on strengthening connections between people as we have on curbing alcohol use or obesity. Loneliness is also associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, that explains me, Diane, depression and anxiety. At work, loneliness reduces our task performance, limits creativity, and impairs other aspects of executive function, such as reasoning and decision-making, for our health and our work, it is imperative that we address the loneliness epidemic 
quickly. Now, Dr. Murthy is obviously talking about the dangers to our physical health of the lack of community. Well, those dangers are even more pronounced for your spiritual and emotional health. Community is critically important to our spiritual health. So the passage that Ken read for us this morning, in that passage, the Apostle Paul kind of lines up three punches, three punctuations of this point. Both explain kind of how and why this is the case. And I want you to hear these this morning. The first one's a little bizarre, so stay with me. He says, first of all, living in community is fundamental to our spiritual nature. So let me explain that because this is a big one. It's who we are. So verse 12, Ken started the passage off like this, for just as the body is one, has many members, so he's comparing us and people who are spiritually connected, who have a relationship with Christ, he's comparing us to the body of Christ. Just as the body is one, has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. So let me tease that out for you, give you a bizarre example this morning. I want you to look at my arm, and for those of you listening to this later, I am weirdly pointing to my left arm. So I want you to think about my arm, and I want to ask you a strange question. What is more fundamental to my arm? What's more important to this appendage? That it is an arm or that it is part of my body? I'm going to suggest that far more important that it is part of my body. If you cut this off from my body, it's still an arm, but it's on the ground, and from, from that point forward, rotting flesh. Sorry for the image. Its function, its life happens. It is what it is because it's part of my body. You're beginning to get it. Let's take another analogy. Take an atom. An atom is the basic unit of a chemical element. So it, it is the most fundamental place. It's the lowest place at which an element is an element. So let's take carbon, for instance. Typically, it's not always the case, oddly, don't worry about that. Typically, carbon is six protons, six neutrons, and six electrons. You get that, you got carbon. Now, carbon is not, that, uh, that atom is not the smallest thing in nature. It's just the place in nature where it's most fundamentally itself. You could take a proton out of that carbon atom and you, you got a proton, but it's not carbon. It's just a proton. So it is with community. Community is the most basic unit of the spiritual life. I'm going to say that again because you're not convinced. You don't even know you're not convinced because it's so weird you're not really tracking Community is the most basic unit of the spiritual life. You have individuals with faith, of course, you and I. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is not you and Jesus. That's not what we were designed for either. Community is the most basic element of the spiritual life. Community is fundamental to our nature. It's not an add-on. Oh, I'm trying to, you know, I really, I believe in God. I've got some good friends too, that's awesome. No. It is essential to who we are. So listen, if that's true, then you're not going to experience all that God has for you if you're not investing in community. This is true regardless of our life circumstances or our socioeconomic status. Look at verse 13 of what the Apostle Paul said. He says, 
in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slave or free, doesn't matter. Another location in the New Testament, he gives an even longer list of doesn't matter than that. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. I don't care if you grew up Coptic or Catholic or Baptist or nothing. We were all immersed into one body, into deep interconnectedness, regardless of life circumstances or socioeconomic status. I don't care if you grew up rich or poor or dirt, dog, nothing poor. Greek, Jew, slave, or free, we are one body. Community is fundamental to our spiritual nature. That's why it's critically important to our spiritual health. This is also true regardless of how we feel about it. Look at verse 14. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, because those hands, those are the ones that everybody, everybody's always saying, oh, look at those hands. And I don't belong. It doesn't matter how you feel. You're still part of the body. You're just a dysfunctional part. Look at what it says in verse 27. The last verse that Ken read for us. Ken read it great too. Now you're the body of Christ. Individually, you're members of it. Parentheses, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how disconnected you are. I don't care. I mean, I care, but Paul doesn't evidently. I don't care that you leave here and think, nobody even spoke to me. Well, did you speak to anybody? (laughs) But that doesn't matter. You're part of the body. You're just a dysfunctional part if you feel badly about it. Community is fundamental to our spiritual nature. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to have a connection with God, you will invest in community. You must. It's critically important to your spiritual health. Second point Paul makes. Living in community is essential to how we function fundamental to who we are and essential to how we function. If we're going to function optimally, then we have to be in community. If we're going to be at our best, if we're going to be consistently productive, we have to be in community. And I'm not just talking about the extroverts. This is true for us as a church, obviously. Let's make that point first. If we're going to function effectively, we have to connect deeply. I want you to hear verses 14 through 21 again. From this passage. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body, obviously. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Bizarre example. If the whole body were an ear, an even more bizarre example, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We need one another. To represent Christ, we need one another. Look, we need one another to do what we were designed to do. We need one another to be effective witnesses. We need one another to care effectively for one another, for our children, for our neighbors. We can't show God's love effectively without being community. It's interesting to me in this section that he kind of tosses a small little firecracker at both the insecure member and the arrogant member, doesn't he? He tosses a little firecracker first at the insecure member because I'm not a hand. I don't belong to the body. Yes, you do. But he also tosses a little firecracker at the arrogant one. 
because you're not up. I'm the head. I don't need you. Yes, you do. We need one another to do and be what we were called and designed to do and be. In the same way, kind of, we need all of the parts to represent Christ. It's just the flip side of the same coin. He says this in exactly the same way, doesn't he? Verses 17 through 19, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as is, God has arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We need all to represent fully. I've used this illustration before at Gateway, and I had another illustration in mind, and somebody didn't want me to share it, so I'm going to share this one. A number of years ago, we had a family at Gateway who's, they have daughters, and one of their daughters had befriended a young girl that was in middle school with her. They went to Farmville Middle School in Ashburn, and she, you know, would occasionally invite her to church, and she wanted to go, and she started saying to her parents, say, hey, let's go to this church Gateway. So before we were here, we actually, at the time, we met at a, a middle school in Herndon, and the parents, you know, were a little unsure, and the dad was going through a really, really, really rough time. Life was just falling apart and bottoming out. Well, one of the people in our congregation is a guy named Pete Kim, and Pete is a gifted graphics guy. It's not what he does for his day job, but he's very good. And he's done a number of graphic stuff for us over the years. So I was uh, contemplating a series of conversations on Sunday morning, and as the closer it got to happening, you know, I was settling in on what I kind of wanted to talk about, what we were going to call it, and what, what I thought God wanted to say to Gateway, and arrived at a title, and I said, Pete, create a little graphic for us. So uh, he did. We called the series Desperate. And Pete created this big, black pieces of paper with little white writing, no caps, that said, desperate question mark. So this family, they've been invited to Gateway, not sure. One weekend, I think this is how it went, daughter spends the night with the family in our church, comes to Gateway and likes it, goes back home and says, hey, I want to go to church, let's go, dad's not sure. Next weekend or weekend after that, wake up really early on a Sunday morning and dad has had it. And he's crying with his wife and says, I, I, I can't take this anymore. I just feel so desperate. And she said, why don't we go to church? So they go to Gateway that morning. They're minding their own business. They drive, they park in the parking lot, and they walk up, and all over the glass doors of the place where we're meeting are big black signs that say, Desperate? Question mark, and his answer is yes. How important is a graphic? It's just a graphic. Evidently pretty stinking important. It made a dramatic difference in this man's life, and eventually the trajectory of his life was changed. So every one of you are sitting on something out there that how important is it? Evidently, very. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time, so glad you're here. I'm honored you're here. Honestly, I said this earlier at 9 o'clock, I mean it. Almost every Sunday morning, I come out here or I'm getting ready and I walk out and I see people and I think, good grief, these people should know better. So I'm really honored that you would come. But I want you to know, 
we don't do what we do here. We invite you, and we did in a number of ways. We built this big building to invite you, and we try to, I don't know, we do things to invite you. We didn't invite you because we want you to sit. We invited you because we want you to invest. Because we need you. And you need it. You need it. It's critically important to your spiritual health. And it's critical how we function. Let's go further. That's true for us as a church. Living community is essential to how we function. But he's also speaking to individuals here, isn't he? If we're going to function optimally as individuals, we need to be connected to community. Okay, I think I'm going to do the scripture. I skipped it at the 9 o'clock. But, so this is from Ephesians 4. Actually, no, I'm not. But go home today and read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It's a great passage, and it just makes this same point on steroids. And what he ends up saying is he kind of creates this image of this kind of concert of a crescendo of, of increasing care where I care for you, and you're cared for, and you care for me, and then I get more mature, and you get more mature, and then, then more mature me cares for you in a better and more mature way, and a more mature you cares for me in a more mature in a better way and then I get more mature and you get more mature and then an even more mature me etc and in that we continue to grow up and become like Christ individually and representing him together living community is essential to how we function listen when things go really bad when you're having a month or a couple of months like that month that this father that I was talking about was having, your marriage is hurting badly and your manager at work is just creating hell for you and finances are falling apart and you go to the doctor and you get a bad report and all of this happens at one time, you know what the normal thing to do is? Cash in. Just disappear. Do whatever it is that you do. Shop, drink, porn, whatever it is that you do. You just disappear and do your thing. And tank emotionally and spiritually and get super depressed and crawl in a hole. That's normal. That's what you're supposed to do if you're normal. But the abnormal thing, the miraculous thing, is to stand up and lean into it and walk through it and become better because of it. And that does not happen for you unless there are people around you speaking into your life. You got this. You can do this. Because you can, but you will not unless there are people speaking into your life. Living in community is essential to how we function. You're not going to be at your best if you're not in community. Third, he makes the point that our care for one another is a byproduct of community life. Real care happens because we're in a body. And he does that weird thing with the body. I'm going to remind you, verses 22 through 26. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. What he's really talking about there are the private parts. And we treat those with greater modesty. We treat them, in a sense, with greater care while our more presentable parts, which is true 
for most of you, not for me, but are more presentable parts like your face, you know, you don't care as much for those parts. You don't cover them. There's, there's no modesty with that. Weird analogy, I know, but you get it. This is how a body functions. A body cares for itself. You care for your body. We don't care for one another consistently and well. We don't care for one another because we're nice. We're not that nice. We care for one another because we're in a body. Because a body cares for itself. If you need an analogy for that, I want you to think of the last time you got up in the night to get something to drink or to use the bathroom and stubbed your toe. I confess this morning, that's one of three times in life that I will use profanity. And when you stub your toe, right, your whole everything, your heart, what you're thinking about, your sweat, everything is focused on your toe. It's just a toe. You could cut it off and you'd be okay. But for 18 seconds, everything in the universe is revolved around the toe because the toe is hurting and the body is connected that intimately. That's why he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's the level of connection that we're supposed to be experiencing with one another. And that's the level of connection that you need if you're going to function optimally and if you're going to be cared for. How? How does this happen? Okay, I'm going to give you two practical steps, and then I want to give you a commercial. So two practical steps for making this happen. First, if you've been around Gateway, you've heard me say it before, I'm sorry, you're going to hear it again and many more times. First thing is you need to connect to a caring, supportive, spiritually focused small group. If you cannot find a small group that really you connect with at Gateway, then start one and talk to Terry Eagle out at the blue wall. You need to be connected. You need a posse. You need a posse. You need a spiritual huddle who's speaking into your life and whose life you are speaking into. Let me tell you how this works. You get connected to a small group that meets on picket Wednesday night. And Wednesday night rolls around, and if you're anything like Diane and I, Wednesday night happens, we both get home, we're at home, we're rushing to have dinner, and we're thinking, do you want to go to small group? And what I'm thinking is, I would rather binge watch The Crown. But I am the pastor, and I better go. <laughs> so we go to small group, and we go, and we sit there for an hour and a half, and it's okay. You know, a couple of people made some pretty good points, and it was okay. We got to speak to some folks, and we're on our way home, and Diane doesn't ask this, but what she and I are thinking is, would you have rather been watching The Crown? <laughs> and my answer is usually, probably. But maybe not. It was okay. And then one night, one night in March, we go to small group. How are you doing? And somebody begins to tear up. And magic happens. 
And somebody in that group says something to somebody in that group that makes a difference. It really makes a difference, and you feel it in the room. God's Spirit is in the room, and something happens in your heart, and you feel like, wow, that was awesome. And on the way home, if she asks, no, I would not rather have been binge-watching The Crown. That was the best night of the last year. And you don't get that night unless you've had the other ones. You've got to invest. I don't know why I'm yelling. Secondly, I want to speak to the select crowd of you who are married. If you're married, what this means is build community with your wife. So I am married to the best woman on the planet. Yes. Nobody needs to applaud for that. I feel personally affronted at that. I am married to the best woman on the planet. Here's the thing that's the most important aspect of my relationship with Diane is that she's my sister in Christ, not that she is my wife. Build community if you're married. Build a spiritual connection. Spend time talking about it. Go home this afternoon and say, what, how was that? What did you think? What does that mean for us? Do the embarrassing stuff and pray with one another and build community with your wife. Invest in your spiritual relationship with your kids too. Build community. Here's the thing. Speaking of kids, this is a parenthesis for, for community. Those of you who have children, Paul makes the point that this is how care happens because we're the body. So we care and we get cared for most effectively because we're the body, not because we're nice. I want you to know, those of you who have children, there's a commercial for this. Diane and I have three grown men that are our children. And two of them do not come to Gateway. I want you to know there are a couple of men at Gateway who will send intentionally obnoxious texts to my children, just randomly, periodically, usually about sports stuff, but other things as well. Do you know how much that means to me? That someone is connecting to my kids, just touching them? You get that when you invest in community. Okay, commercial. First commercial is go to mygateway.life and connect with us. We'd love to connect with you. Or go to the blue wall outside. But also on mygateway.life, there is a, under the sermon for today, there's an additional study. And some of you need to dive into this a little more. Maybe some of you married couples need to dive into it. So it's an additional study that actually is based on an Old Testament passage, weirdly, and also references this passage. So take some time this week and do that. Also, if you're interested in taking a deeper dive for the next 10 weeks, actually beginning this Wednesday night, I'm doing a, a study of community. It's demanding. It's a group that involves homework, but I'd, I'd love to invite you to participate in that. There are only a couple spots still open, so <laughs> not too many of you participate, but I'd love to have you uh, participate in that if you want to take a deeper dive in this, and you can do that on mygateway.life or at the Blue All Outside. Invest in community is critically important to your spiritual life and health. Okay, all God's people said, now when they said amen, they were also reminded that this great passage that Ken read for us this morning, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which of course follows 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul addresses one of the reasons that he wrote the letter to the Corinthians is because I believe they were a first century Pentecostal church. And a few of you come from Pentecostal backgrounds, and the Corinthians had all of the good stuff that came with that and some of the weirdness as well. 
And one of the things that was happening is there was a tremendous sense of disunity being created within the church, and he would not have that. He would not allow disunity within the church because community is so critically important. One of the specific things that he addressed was the mercy meal, the Lord's Supper, because they were eating it in a way that was just weird. And it was creating confusion and disunity, and this is designed to create unity. So we are going to participate in this meal this morning because this meal, as much as anything else, is a symbol of what launched our unity and what empowers our unity. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly confess. We ask you to forgive us. We thank you so much that you promised us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we receive that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the Corinthians would gather together regularly and they would remember the night Jesus was betrayed. And when they did so, sometimes inappropriately, but sometimes well, and we're going to do it well, they would take bread at the table and they would break it. And they would remember Jesus' words on that last night, this is my body broken for you. For the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence of Christ broken for you, take it and eat. At that same meal, someone in the Corinthians service would have said, this cup, remember what Jesus said? And they would have nodded. Jesus said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And he did what no self-respecting Jewish rabbi would have ever done. He reinterpreted a meal that was 1,400 years old and saying, this meal of deliverance, this symbol of what God can do, that's me. That was me all along. Satan tempts me to despair And tells me of the guilt within A word I look and see 
Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, a risen lamb, my perfect spotless Righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Christ my Savior and my God. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it and drink. Let's stand and sing that last verse again. And Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless Righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of praise. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. again, one with himself. One with himself, I cannot die. Soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and Go in peace.